All right, greetings to all of our campuses, our West Campus and our Zoe's Campus traditions. Greetings to all of you. We're glad you're here. Yeah, I remember uh, hearing a story uh, years ago about two nuns who served as uh, served, in, served in a hospital, and one day um, they were traveling in their car, and they ran out of gas, and, and so they looked in the trunk of their car for a gas can, but all they had was a bedpan from the hospital that they, they served at, and so they walked to the nearest gas station, filled the bedpan with gasoline, and then headed back to their car. So, so as they were filling their gas tank from this bedpan, a guy and his wife happened to be driving by, and they saw this, and the man turned to his wife and said, now that's what I call faith. <clears throat> you know, we are in the midst of a teaching series entitled Believe. Um, in this series, we're talking about faith. From a spiritual perspective, faith is what opens the door for us to experience the power of God in our lives. It's what activates the power of Jesus in our lives. And and don't we all long for that? We long for more of God's power at work in our everyday lives. But let's be honest, sometimes faith can be a struggle. We struggle to truly believe. And so in this series, we're talking about how we can grow in our faith. In order to do that, we're looking together at a fascinating encounter between Jesus and two ordinary guys, just like us, two ordinary people who are struggling in their faith. And we see how Jesus responds to them to help their faith increase, and he can do the same thing with us. This encounter occurs in the book of Luke, in the New Testament, the book of Luke chapter 24 on Easter afternoon, as these two men are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. We know from the description that these, are, these guys are followers of Jesus. They are, they are part of a group of people who hung out with Jesus. They listened to his teaching. They saw him do miracles, but, but they're struggling because two days earlier, they watched Jesus die on the cross. Their leader, their hope, their Messiah was dead. And then that very morning, they heard that the tomb of Jesus was empty, So so as they're walking along, they are talking with each other about these things, and they don't know what to do with them. They They are sad, they are distressed, they are confused. Well, as they walk, we are told that they are joined, they were joined by Jesus himself, but they don't know it's him. They were kept from recognizing him. So he plays dumb and asks what they're talking about. And they explain all about Jesus and about how they thought he was the Messiah and how just a few days earlier he'd been killed. And and now they found out this morning his tomb is empty and they're they're all confused and distressed. So look, look with me at Jesus' response to them. Verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Notice how he diagnoses their problem. They are slow to believe. See, this is a faith issue. They are familiar with Jesus. They hung out with Jesus, but they were missing out on all that he had for them because they were slow to believe. And I think this describes many of us. You know, maybe we go to church periodically. Maybe we're familiar with Jesus' life and teaching, but we're missing something. We're missing out on on, on a dynamic relationship with Jesus that changes our lives. The problem is we are slow to believe. 
We're not embracing the fullness of who Jesus is. So, so what does Jesus do in response? Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus goes through the Old Testament and he starts showing all the places where it points to the fact that he, as the Messiah, had to suffer on the cross in order to pay for our sins. We talked about that last week. That's a critical part of our faith experience, believing Christ died on the cross for us. But there's more here than that, than our faith just being in the cross. Jesus also talks to them about how he had to enter into glory. In other words, the resurrection was also a critical part of his mission. So in order for us to experience the life-changing power of that reality, we need to focus our faith on the resurrection of Jesus. So what does that mean exactly? To focus our faith on the resurrection of Jesus. You know, it's interesting that Jesus mentions two dimensions of faith here. The head and the heart. He says, he tells these guys that they are foolish which means they don't comprehend the resurrection at an intellectual level. And he says, they are slow of heart to believe. That's the literal translation. Faith is a heart issue. They're not embracing the truth of the resurrection at a heart level. And so, so in the time, I have, the time we have today, I, I want to look at both of these aspects of faith in the resurrection so that we can experience all that Jesus has for us to experience. So first, at a cognitive level, do we intellectually believe that Jesus rose from the dead? See, this is where transforming faith must begin, with an honest look at the evidence. It will not do to sort of spiritualize the resurrection of Jesus, to to make it this fairy tale story that's metaphorical and and symbolic and just means new life in a symbolic way. It will not do. The reason we can't do that is uh, is because of what the eyewitness accounts in the Bible claim. None of them are written as myth or fairy tale. None of them say once upon a time and all of that. No, from the perspective of those writing about this, it really happened. We we have eyewitnesses in scripture that attest to the fact that Jesus' tomb was empty. Even though it was guarded by the Roman soldiers, the stone was rolled away. The body of Jesus was gone. Now, Now, some say that Jesus didn't really die he fainted, but then he was revived in the tomb. <clears throat> I mean, one can certainly believe that. But does the evidence point that direction? A Roman soldier who was watching the crucifixion came by to break Jesus' legs, but he didn't because he was certain Jesus was already dead. And then the friends of Jesus who took the body down would certainly have noticed if he was still alive, right? And they wouldn't have put him in the tomb if he was still breathing, And others say that the disciples stole the body and made all this up. They got together and they said, hey, let's let's hide the body and then tell everyone Jesus rose from the dead, even though we know he wasn't. Again, that's, that's certainly an option to believe, but does it square with the evidence? As we see in our passage today, none of the disciples were expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. They were surprised that the tomb was empty. They didn't understand. 
Jesus had to explain to them what it meant. And not only that, nearly all the disciples of Jesus were eventually martyred for their faith. Can anyone imagine any of them dying for something they knew was a lie? And then, of course, we have the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, where he says that Jesus actually appeared to over 500 people after his resurrection. 500. Many of those people were still alive when Paul was writing those words, and they could easily verify or deny what he was saying. It does not require that you check your brain at the door to believe the resurrection happened. Lee Strobel was a Yale-educated, award-winning journalist um, at the Chicago, Chicago Tribune. As an atheist and the legal editor of the Tribune, he, he decided one day to compile a legal case against Jesus Christ and prove him to be a fraud. Well, in the midst of critically examining the evidence for himself, Strobel began to believe in Jesus, and his life was changed. He wrote a number of books, but one in particular is called The Case for Christ. He interviews, in this book, he interviews a number of intellectuals and scholars, and he lays out this plausible case for the resurrection. So if you have intellectual questions about the resurrection, I encourage you to examine for yourself the evidence and just do so with an open mind, with an open mind. Okay, so that's the first part of faith in the resurrection. It's intellectually believing the evidence. But that's not the whole picture. There are plenty of people who believe the resurrection happened, who declare themselves to be Christians, but are not experiencing the power of the resurrection in their lives. And that's because for them, their faith is all up here. Their faith is all cognitive. It's in their minds but it's not penetrated their hearts. So what does it look like to believe the resurrection in our hearts? Jesus said, remember he said they were slow of heart to believe the resurrection. From a biblical perspective, the heart represents the center of our life. It's the location of our longings, our loves, our dreams. The heart is where genuine life is experienced. It's where real change happens in our lives. Let me, let me illustrate or explain that point. Remember um, the, the movie Despicable Me? Great movie, right? And the evil villain, Gru, adopts these three little girls so he can use them to accomplish his evil agenda. So for him, initially, being an adopted father is all intellectual. It's a duty to perform in order for him to get what he wants. But something happens over the course of the movie, right? these little girls begin to capture his heart. And suddenly, he begins to taste of what it feels like to love and be loved. He begins to experience joy where before his life had all been about busyness, right? And, and, and about business. So his, his life changes, not because his mind embraced a new truth. No, his life changes because his heart embraced a new truth. For some of us, our faith in Jesus is all intellectual. The resurrection of Jesus has become little more than a tradition, you know, something we think about once a year at Easter. 
But that kind of faith won't change your life. That kind of faith won't change your life. In fact, it will make Christianity little more than a lifeless, boring, powerless hobby. What Jesus invites us to experience is so much more than that. He invites us to experience that the, the life-changing power of the resurrection in our hearts, in that place where real change happens. Look how Paul describes this in Romans 8, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. See, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us. And notice what he longs to do in our lives. He wants to give life to our mortal bodies. That word life refers not just to biological life. No, it refers to fullness of life. In other words, things like hope and joy and purpose, and meaning, and, and power, and love. That's what Jesus offers us in his resurrection. New life. A new power living in us. The power to be transformed. I want us to watch a video story of someone in our church describing a bit of their journey. Let's watch. I didn't grow up in a church learning about God, and it didn't seem to matter much to me. I just thought that if you tried to do the right thing most of the time, you'd satisfy some God in the sky. Unfortunately, that didn't quite work out. After my best friend passed away, life hit me hard. Why did he get taken away from me? He was my one friend who seemed to push me towards God. But following his death, a series of events occurred that I never thought would happen. I married a non-believer. That ended in divorce. I spent my first night in jail from drinking. I lost friends to alcoholism. I had lost all financial stability. I had hit rock bottom. It wasn't without a purpose though. God had a plan for me. Not long after hitting my new low, I randomly met a girl who I started dating and she convinced me to go to Christ Community. Of course it would take a beautiful woman to get me through the doors. At first going to service was a chore, but God quickly began speaking to me. He began guiding me towards positive relationships. I met a couple who saw my struggles and invited me to stay at their house as a helpful way to escape some of the negative influences in my life. From there, my life was transformed. Service became an enjoyable experience. Praying became more and more common. Worship began to give me the chills. Everything in my life began to turn around and the Holy Spirit was moving within me. I stopped lying to myself and others. I found a place of my own for me and my dog. I got the financial aid I needed to finish my degree. The failing business I started was revived and I developed a relationship with my sister that I never thought was possible. God finally became real to me. And because of it, I stand here today, a changed man and a better man. I have been transformed. You see, that, that's what Jesus does. He changes our lives, not through rules and traditions and rituals. No, he changes our lives from the inside out. That's what Calvin was describing. His heart is changing. He says he stopped lying to himself. He stopped running from God and instead opened his heart to the power of Christ. 
When we make the resurrection simply an intellectual truth, we miss out on the adventure Jesus invites us to experience. His very presence living in us, not just on Easter, but every day. His hope, his power, his life, his presence, his love. I don't know what struggles you're experiencing. Maybe your marriage is lifeless. Maybe your job situation is difficult. Maybe you wrestle with feelings of insecurity or loneliness or anxiety. Perhaps you're running after things you know don't satisfy, but you can't seem to stop. Or maybe you just feel empty, wondering, is this, is this all there is to life? I have good news for you. Jesus offers you his presence, his love, his power every moment of every day. It's a power that can help us overcome our addictions. It's a power that can help us persevere when we feel like giving up. It's a power that can help us face our fears knowing we are loved by him. So how can we experience this this power in greater ways? Well, Jesus tells us here, it's through faith. Our faith in Jesus' resurrection activates this power. So what does that faith look like? What does it look like? About a year and a half ago, my son Joel and I um, went to a conference in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And and before the conference, a small group of us went on this amazing three-hour zip line experience in the Thai rainforest. Um, So on this course, you go from platform to platform up in these really, really tall trees, doing 30 different zip lines, which total a distance of five kilometers. The longest zip line is is, um, a half mile. So before we went, I was a little hesitant um, because I don't like heights. Um, And these platforms looked really tall to me and really small, and they were actually. But what I found when I got there, what I found is that um, even though I'm afraid of heights, what I I got there, even with the height of things, I didn't experience any fear. And the reason was because we were always hooked to something secure, right? The guide or the platform itself. So knowing I was connected to something secure seemed to mitigate my fear, which was great. But I wasn't there to simply know in my head I was connected to something secure. I was there to experience the exhilaration of zip lines. And and here's something you immediately discover in a situation like that. Even though you are safely fastened to something secure, there comes a moment when you have to jump. You have to jump. Here was that moment for me. It's so That's not my voice, by the way. <laughs> okay, next please. Hey, Emily. <laughs> so, um, that, that was the half mile zip line, by the way. But, I mean, it was awesome. It was awesome. But I never would have experienced it if I hadn't been willing to jump off the platform. 
And for some of us here, our Christian experience is limited to head knowledge, knowing the truth about Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And while that is certainly important in getting us hooked to a truth that's very secure, it doesn't mean we will experience the joy and life that Jesus offers us. In order for that to happen, a different kind of faith is required. The faith to jump, (laughs) to wholeheartedly abandon ourselves to this risen Jesus, embracing the life that he offers. His love is big enough to hold you. His power is big enough to transform you. His hope can enable you to persevere in hardship, but you don't discover those things on the safety of the platform. You discover them when you open your heart to the fullness of Jesus' resurrection, allowing his life and power to change you from the inside out. Let's pray. And I want to invite our campus pastors to come forward now and lead your congregation in prayer. As we quiet our hearts, let me just ask you, this is between you and the Lord here. Where are you at in your faith journey? I just want to invite you to jump into a deeper experience with Jesus. For some of you, that means a first step into a relationship with him. The Bible tells us that we cannot get to God through our own effort, no matter how hard we try, no matter how many good things we do. We are sinners separated from God, deserving of his judgment. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sin, which means the way into this relationship is by admitting our need and placing our trust in Jesus' work on the cross. Have you, have you done that? Are you trusting in Jesus' work on the cross? If you're not sure, let me lead you in a prayer. You can pray along with me in the silence of your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner, I'm separated from you. You're holy and I'm not. But I don't want to be separated from you. I thank you that even though there was nothing I could do to get to you, you came to me through your son Jesus who died on the cross in my place. Jesus, you took the penalty I should have paid. And I am choosing right now to place my trust in you. I place my whole self in your hands. I ask you to forgive my sin, past, present, future, all of it. And come live in me through the presence of your spirit, changing me from the inside out. So Lord, I want to pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. Thank you. Thank you that they have opened their heart to you and entered into a relationship with you. Help them grow in this relationship with you. Now, there there are others. For others here, others of us who have placed our trust in Jesus, we've already done that. Jesus is inviting us into a deeper experience of his resurrection. 
Are you opening your heart to his life, to his power, to his love and his joy? What does it look like for you to say yes to Jesus in a greater way? To to embrace him, not simply as an occasional focus, but as a way of life. Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to us about that very question. What does it look like to jump off the platform, to take the risk and abandon ourselves to you? Maybe it's in places of pain. Maybe it's in places of addiction or struggle. What does it look like for us to abandon ourselves to you and to jump into the fullness of who you are? I pray for that right now, that we would do that. In every area of our lives, we would do that and embrace the fullness of your life, your resurrected life. Thank you that Easter is not just a, a tradition that, where we remember. It's an opportunity to embrace your fullness in a greater way. And so we do that right now. Help us grow in our faith in the resurrection at a heart level. And we ask you to fill us with your joy and your strength and your power and your healing and your life. We look to you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. And we celebrate that you are alive in us. Thank you. Thank you for that, Lord. We're going to continue to celebrate that truth with the worship team leading us. So why don't we stand If at some point you want to sit down, that's totally fine. If you want to come up and kneel at the altar, that's totally fine. We have intercessors to my right and to my left. These people would love to pray for you. If you have any need, you can just slip out of your seat at any point. Just go to these folks. They would love to pray. So, Father, we pray for these people who are are going to be praying for others. We pray that you would fill them with your spirit and you would use them and pour out your power upon them. Now, Lord, set us free to worship you. We love you, God.